Let's pray really quick and we'll and we'll dive into the word this morning. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we uh, absolutely believe that it is it is alive and it's powerful, Lord, that it's still sharper than a two-edged sword. So, Lord, today we just ask that you would come and you would speak to us through your word. Father, we open up our hearts wide. And, uh, Father, we thank you for filling it today. Father, we thank you for revelation. Lord, we thank you for just uh, the Holy Spirit who is the teacher. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and teach today. Uh, Father, we just listen. We tune our ears into your voice. And we thank you for speaking to us and, Lord, changing our lives to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue our series that we've been on. Uh, we, we basically entitled it A Culture of Discipleship. Um, you know, to give, kind of maybe to give you guys a recap, because last week, um, you know, if you weren't here, basically, uh, Mr. George shared testimony. We just prayed for people. So we're going to kind of get back in the groove this week. But let me give you a quick recap so we're all on the same. More like Christ, at the end of the day, you and I still have this thing called a free will. Right? So, uh, you know, one of the things that has to be settled in our own hearts, if we're going to become who God wants us to be, is this, is we have to uh, basically decide in our own heart that, you know, that we're willing to change, that we're willing to be transformed. Now, you know, change who is the Holy Spirit, right? So, and if we know it or not, um, we actually put ourselves in the position of change every time we worship, every time we pray, and every time we read the Bible. We actually put ourselves in a position to be transformed, put ourselves in a position to be changed. Now, let me make something really clear this morning. Uh, we don't put ourselves in position through the Word by doing this. Oh, in the beginning, God created. Man, i got to hurry up here. And created light. That's not putting ourselves in a position of change. Uh, we don't put ourselves in a position of change when we pray like this. Um, Father, I just thank you for sunshine and uh, butterflies. And uh, Lord, thank you for toilet paper because life would be really rough without it. And so, um, you, you know, we, we, don't, we don't put ourselves in a position of change through worship when we begin to sing, Jesus, I love you. Oh, my God, look what she is wearing today. Jesus, we, oh man, they need, we got to get out of here. I got to do some stuff. Man, the pats are playing. You, you know, you know that, that's not, that is not how we put ourselves or posture ourselves for change. How we posture ourselves for change uh, when we pray, when we worship, when we read the word is are we coming to those three areas? Are we coming with hungry hearts? Are we coming with open hearts? Are we engaging in a way that God wants us to engage? When we engage there, guess what? We open up our hearts to be changed more like Jesus. Is that true? So listen, so for the next few weeks, what I want to do is I want to focus on those three areas, word, prayer, and worship. And uh, before we step in it today through the first one, uh, I want us basically to consider a question that affects all three. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to read uh, basically verses 41 through 49. We're only going to look at one verse there, but it's mainly... I just... If you have your Bible this morning, say, oh yeah. If you don't have your Bible this morning, say, oh no. All right. Y'all there? All right, verse 41, it says this. It says, his parents, obviously talking about Jesus, it says his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. So this is something obviously they did every year. Verse 43 says, when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. There's a whole lot here, but we don't have time. Verse 45 says, so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Verse 46 says, now so it was that after three days they found him. Somebody say they found him. 
It says they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. I want you to notice this morning that they lost Jesus at church. How many Christians are doing the same thing today? Amen. Then it says that they, he was both listening to them and asking them questions. Basically, that means his ability to put two and two together. Verse 47 says, And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done, th- done this to us? Side note, I'm always amazed that here's Mary. She's actually trying to rebuke God. Blows my mind, all right? It says, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And here's the key verse. And he said to them, why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Why did you seek me? The question I have for you this morning is that we ever stopped and ask ourselves, why am I really seeking God? Why am I really seeking God? Maybe another way to put it is this, is am I seeking God for the same reason he wants to be found? The Bible tells us this in Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, and it says this, you will seek me and you will find me. Bottom line is, guys, is we serve a God that wants to be found. In fact, through that scripture, he has given us a promise. He has guaranteed us that if we seek him, we will find him. But guess what? The, the reverse is true, that if we don't seek him, we will not find him. So when we look at this question of, of why are you seeking me, or the bottom line is are you seeking him for the same reason he wants to be found, let's break that down a little bit more and make it simple because I need simple sometimes. Am I reading the Bible for the same reason he wants me to read the Bible? Am I praying for the same reason he wants me to pray? Am I worshiping for the same reason he wants me to worship? Are you all with me today? See, the change or the transformation that God desires to bring in our lives will not, will not, will not, will not happen unless we engage in those three areas for the same purpose or the same business, if you will, that he designed them for. Yes? So the bottom line is I can go through the motions and, and, and never progress. That's why people have been in the kingdom for 20, 30 years, and they're not that different than when they got, first sa- when they got saved. Because, you know why? But they're not engaging from a heart level, and they're not seeking him in a way so they can, uh, so they can find him. Am I explaining this okay today? All right. So like I said, this morning uh, we want to focus on the first one. Why does God want us to read the Bible? And, uh, you know, as I was studying, just kind of lay it out there. Um, biblically, you know, I came with over 10 reasons and obviously I said, okay, God, I can't give them all 10 reasons in, in one lot there. And, uh, so I said, okay, I'll narrow it down to maybe, uh, four kind of group them together, whatever. And then I started studying one and I got stuck. Okay. So we're going to talk about one today and I'm going to go ahead and tell you from position of vulnerability, we're going to kind of be all over the map today. So this is not going to be probably the most pretty sermon you've ever heard, but there's just a few points that I want to get across to us today. So open up our hearts wide and, and, and really to go uh, self-evaluation. Lord, where am, where am I at in these things? Fair enough? All right. So the first reason that God wants us to read the Bible is really simple. It's this. is because God wants us to know him. If you're, if you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. Bottom line, number one, God wants us to know him. We live in a world today that is full of people that have tons of opinions about who God is. Is that true? If, you know, whatever, if, if Ben and I took a video camera and we went downtown 
uh, Camden, if we went downtown Rockland, Rockport, wherever, and we started walking the streets, and, and we were filming, we asked people, uh, you know, hey, who do you think God is? And shove a mic in their face and listen to the response. How many of you guys know that we would get uh, a plethora of responses, Right? And so if, if we were the type of people that go, you know what, I, I base everything off what I hear and what, and what the TV says, what the news channel says, then, then of who God is and what Discovery Channel and National Geographic says God is, if I came away and I tried to somehow put all those pieces together, make my God fit that, we would serve a very schizophrenic freak. Yes, because it's not consistent. But the good news is this, is that God never left us at the mercy of people's opinions. And the reason we know that is because he gave us his word. Amen? And that word, just so you know, is a capital W, not a lowercase one. Amen? So listen to these verses in John 1, 1. Very familiar. It says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John 1, 14 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Revelation nineteen eleven thirteen says this. This is long, but I want you to hear this. It says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Verse 12. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. Verse 13 is key. It says, He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. What an awesome verse. So who is the Word? It's Jesus. Jesus is the Word. This is why Paul could say this in 2 Timothy 1.12. He said this, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. So many people get called up in what they believe, and the bottom line, it's not what you believe, it's whom you believe. He never said what? That I know what I believe. It's not about facts. It's not about head knowledge. But it's a personal relationship. I know whom I have believed. That's good. Amen. All right. So taking a step back, keeping all that kind of in mind, when we said, once again, the culture of discipleship, we said, what is a disciple? A disciple was this, or is this. It's one who follows both the teaching and the teacher. Can somebody say both? says, one who follows both the teaching and the teacher. Here's the point I want to make. Is that we can't separate the teacher, Jesus, from his teachings, the Bible. Because they're one. Listen, if we believe in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, the Word became flesh. If we believe that, guess what? They are one. So it is impossible today uh, to, to somehow uh, try to have a relationship with Jesus without having a relationship with his Word. Because they're one. Are you hearing me today? You can't follow one and not follow the other. So listen to what a guy named Derek Prince said. He said this. He says, your attitude toward God's word. Please open your heart up and hear this, okay? In fact, go and turn to your neighbor and say, ouch. Because that's what's coming. All right, here we go. He says, your attitude toward God's word is your attitude toward God himself. You do not love God more than you love his word. You do not obey God more than you obey his word. You do not honor God more than you honor his word. You do not have more room in your heart and life for God than you have in his word or for his word. Then he says this. Do you want to know how much God means to you? Just ask yourself, how much does God's word mean to me? The answer to the second question is the answer to the first. God means as much to you as his word means to you. Just that much and not more. And no more.
bottom line is this. Is if we value God, we're going to value his word. Amen. Let me maybe do this. Today when we're, today when we're talking about this. Because, you know, guess what? I, I may be a pastor, but I'm a human just like you. Right? I have the same, the same temptations, the same fights, the same, the same uh, challenge not to fall into compromise and, and uh, just mediocrity and all those things. I have to keep my own hunger up just like you. Okay? So, so today when we're talking about this, examine where you're at and go, okay, God, where am I at really with, with, with the Bible? Where, where, where am I at with that? So, listen, all this stuff may sound really tough, but I want you to listen to what Jesus said in John eight thirty one. He says this, or it says this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, who believed him, we believe him. It says, if you abide, the word abide means to continue or if you remain, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So watch this. So flip the script on that. It means this, that if we don't abide, if we don't continue, if we don't remain in his word, then guess what? We're not his disciples. Is that true? Listen to what he said in John 14, 23 through 24. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep or he will obey my word. Then he says this in verse 24. He says, he who does not love me does not keep or does not obey my words. Pretty wow, huh? Supreme authority and the supreme voice in our lives. Easy to listen to what mama says, what dad says, what, what the kids say, uh, you know, what, what Auntie Shanita says. And Uncle Earl and Chuck Willie and all these people say, but at the, you know, and even this, we all have our own voice that speaks to us as well, right? And, and so at the end of the day, which voice that's being spoken has really the real authority in our lives? Is it any of those or is it God? And the bottom line is, is God's voice trumps, it supersedes, has more authority than any of those other voices in our lives. Amen. So when it comes to the idea of Jesus being the Lord of our lives, listen to this. The measure or the degree of authority that the word has over our life is the measure or the degree of his lordship in our life. Let me say that again. The measure or the degree of authority that the word has over our lives, the the, the amount of authority that we allow Genesis to Revelation have over our lives is the measure or degree that Jesus is really Lord of our lives. Now, let me just remind us all this morning is in this, that when you look at the New Testament, Jesus is given the title, uh, title Savior, 24 times. He's given the title of Lord 433 times. But we live in a Christian realm that what? That wants to focus on Savior, not so much Lord. Yes? The, the bottom line, guys, I cannot tell you how many times I prayed, God, my life is not my own. It's not my own. God, whatever you want to do, do it. Because I promise you, there would be, uh, be a whole lot easier to do other things. Yes? Let me, let me maybe actually share a story with you really quick. I wasn't sure if I was going to do this. I, I, keep, I keep this uh, small portion of the Bible in my Bible to remind me of something. So let me tell you a story about it really quick, okay? Um, a few years ago... About Jesus being the Lord of our lives, and I was preaching on the Word, about the Word having authority in our lives. And just kind of in prayer, I felt like, and you're going to probably want to stone me, but I felt like God gave me an idea, a creative idea to get young people's attention. Grab a piece of the Word. You ever been like that? <laughs> so anyway, so while I'm preaching this, 
it was, it was, it was just kind of like, a, uh, okay, sermon. And then we got to this point, and the anointing just started getting stronger and stronger. And so what I did, this is the idea that God gave me. Once again, don't throw a rock at me. Uh, but I, I grabbed the Bible, and I began to go flip through it. And I would say, um, okay, the, well, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. Oh, I don't like that. And I ripped out a, like 40 pages of the Bible and just threw it in the air. And then I started, kept reading, and then I said, okay, uh, man, talking about, I read, basically quoted a scripture about being pure. I don't like that. And threw it in the air. And all the kids are, and they're, and they're getting like angry at me. And I remember just, you, you know, there's times when you're preaching prophetically, you kind of open your mouth and things come out. And then you, you kind of like hear it as you're saying it. And I remember saying, I don't know why you're getting mad at me because you don't even read it yourself. And I was just, and, uh, and, and so anyway, so I just keep doing this rip and this thing. And I kept talking about how all you want to do is you want God to meet your desires and do blah, 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 blah. And then I got really, I was being pretty sarcastic. <laughs> and, uh, and I got to this thing and I had basically, I was just ripping the pages in pieces and and, uh, and I went like this. There was a piece on the ground, and I picked it up. There was three, and I threw two off, and I went like this. Okay, let's see what God wants us to do today. And I read this verse. So Jonathan said to David, whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And it was just a slap in the face of the exact same thing I was talking about. And the moment that I said that, I'm telling you, all the Holy Ghost fell so strong in the room. There was such a... a uh, a fear of God and repentance of God. And uh, needless to say, church got way better after that. Okay? And I, and I remember, and listen, I'm, I'm so not doing it. Were you there? And you weren't there? I, I can't even, I really can't even, I'm doing it no service and telling you because it was such a, I don't know if you've ever been there where the presence of God is so strong. It's like you don't even want to move. You're afraid you're going to mess something up or you're, you know, it's just so holy. It was that kind of atmosphere. And uh, needless to say, a lot of people repented that night. But I remember, I remember uh, going, you know, out of the service, and, and my wife said, hey, you, you need to go to the grocery store and get this. I don't want to go to the grocery store. We just had an encounter with God, you know, kind of deal. But so, so I, you know, I'm going, I'm going in the grocery store, and I just, kept, I just kept doing this, literally out loud. Wow, God. Wow. And literally for days. Because in that moment, I think, listen, I think for me, I... You know, obviously I honor the word. I know what I'm, you know, I know what I'm teaching, whatever. And so, you know, the, the word was a very important part of my life. But I think at that moment, it was like God putting a stamp on it going, look, for me personally, this is how much the word is really that serious. And I remember the next day, some people came into town and, I, and uh, there was a group of us were there because all of us were floored. We all, we all felt the atmosphere shift like that. And we were telling somebody, and they said this. They said, you know what? Um, somebody in my family, um, I can't remember how they were connected. Someone was like their nephew or something. It was in the military, and they were over in, uh, in Iraq at that time. And uh, they were literally praying at their, at their FOB, their forward operation base. They were praying, and uh, they were going, God, I need you to do this. God, are you even real? God, you know, basically, they're just this heart cry going, God, where are you at? In the middle of the nut box we want to put him in. So let me give you a theological term real quick. Uh, basically, people who are way smarter than me, they say this, that the Bible is God's revelation of himself to us. That the Bible, Genesis Revelation, is God's revelation of himself to us. Now, let me give it to you in Barney terms. Okay? The Bible is the vehicle or the tool that God uses to reveal himself. Plain and simple. 
He gives us the Bible to show us him. So at foundation level, uh, you know, obviously the Bible was written to introduce you and I to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Yes? Yes. But it was also written to us uh, to go much further than that because it reveals to us God's heart. It reveals to us God's nature. It reveals to us God's ways and God's character. Is that true? So listen, if you know it or not today, God, God never wanted you to be kind of left out in the dark wondering and being confused about who he is and what he is like. That's why he gave us his word. Once again, Jesus and the written word. So let me share a few verses with you here, okay? It says this in Colossians 1.15. It says, he, talking about Jesus, is the image. Somebody say image. That he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. That word image there is actually the word character, and it's spelled different than our word character. Obviously, we spell character C-H-A-R-A-C-T-E-R, right? Okay. This character is spelled C-H-A-C, sorry, C-H-A-R-A-K-T-E-R, and it means this. It means to emboss, hopefully I'm saying that right, I am from Alabama, to emboss, to impress, or to stamp a design on. Okay, now watch this. Every one of us have held uh, some money in our hand at one time or another, right? We, so in other words, when we look at a quarter, who's on there? Been a long time since we've been in school, Pastor. All right. Okay, it's George Washington, right, on the, on the quarter, all right? George Washington's on the quarter, okay? On, on that quarter, obviously, it is embossed, it's stamped, it's impressed. It's the character, basically, George Washington put on there. So when we look at Jesus, basically, we see that God the Father stamped his character, his image into the life of his son. Are you all follow me today? So let me give you a few verses here. In Hebrews 1.3, says this. It says, who being the brightness of his glory. Who's his glory? Talking about the Father. It says, in the express image of his person, the Father's person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Bottom line, he's saying Jesus is the expressed image, character of him, of the Father. Now, watch this. Um, when you and I, when we desire to express ourselves, how do we do it? Now, listen, I know right there at that question, uh, the men and the women in the room thought two total different things. <laughs> women have a special anointing upon their lives to be able to express themselves in a multitude of ways. Us fellows are pretty simple, all right? Um, I don't know about you, but my wife can look at me and I can write an essay off that look, right? Uh, I, I know exactly what she meant by that look. It meant you are in trouble, big guy. All right, okay, gotcha. So, anyways, so but but when it comes to just simple, how do we express ourselves? We express ourselves through our words. Guess what? God did the same thing. Remember what we said earlier in the beginning. What basically in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, God God expressed Himself through His Word. Talking about obviously Jesus. John 1.18 echoes this. It says this. says, No one has seen God at any time. It says, The only begotten Son who is in the bosom or the heart or the chest of the Father. It's talking about He, Jesus, has declared Him, has declared the Godhead, the Father. All right? Yes? Has declared Him. Let me show you another verse. John 14.7-9 says this. It says, If you had known Me, this is Jesus talking, you would have known my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Get that. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. Verse 9 says, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? 
He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So if you and I want to know basically the heart and the character and the nature and the ways of God, all we really have to do is look at the life of Jesus. Okay? But also what we have to do is open up the Bible and allow God to reveal all those areas to us, either for the first time or continually. Because, uh, you know, the bottom line is, is uh, we never, ever, no matter how long we walk with the Lord, get to a point where we got it all down pat and we know everything. Yes? In fact, I think when all is wrapped up and said and done, it's going to be really funny when we all stand before the Father. All of us that think we had it right, we're going to find the areas that we didn't have right. And, uh, you know, because no, nobody's got it all down pat, right? Because we're all still growing. We're all still being transformed. We're all still changing. All right. So let me give you a few common thoughts. And we're actually going to end pretty, pretty soon here. It's pretty short today. But let, let me give you some, maybe some common mistakes of where people have, have thought that God is one way and he's really not that way. All right? The first area is this. It comes with sickness. Now, hear me and don't throw rocks at me today, okay? All right, so I remember uh, being 21 years old, and I went back home to Birmingham, Alabama, and, uh, because my best friend was getting married, and I was in his wedding. Well, over the years that I, I moved away to Louisiana, um, basically he, he kind of uh, built a relationship with a man named John. And, and John kind of became a, a, like a, a spiritual father to him because his own father really didn't walk with God. And, and John began to uh, just basically build a relationship and kind of mentor him. When that process, John got cancer. And I, and I remember coming to the wedding, and obviously John had been going through chemo. He was bald. And, and, uh, and I was like, John, what, what, what's going on? And, and he began to tell me a story. And I remember him saying this. I remember him saying, you know what? The, God's just trying to teach me something. And, and I remember at that moment, you know, because, listen, uh, you know, I grew up in the South. I've heard a lot of people say that. Um, you know, well, God's just trying to teach me something. And, and so in my mind, I'm going this. Okay, so that means that as you read the Bible, as you prayed, because this guy was a man of God, um, as you worshipped, as you surrounded yourself with all those godly friends you got, uh, even people who have a prophetic voice, nowhere in those areas could God speak to you? Are, are y'all hearing me? And so, you know, in my mind, I remember going, you know what? Um, okay, so God clearly, in his thinking, could not get to him in any of those ways. So to get his attention, he had to give him cancer. Well, the problem with that is, is this, is that if Jesus is, if Jesus is the example of what the Father is like, in other words, if, they, if we really believe that they are what the Bible says in 1 John 5, 8, it says that there's three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit, and these three are one, meaning that they are in agreement. And if they are really in agreement, then that means that they don't do opposite from one another. Yes? Okay. Do you even take it a step further? Jesus said this. Jesus said that, um, you know, it's expedient that I go away, basically, so that what? So that the Holy Spirit could come. He said, he said so another now, the word another there in the Greek language simply means this, one who is like me but is not me. And it literally means one who will do exactly what I would do as if I was present with you. So we see complete unity in the Godhead, right? So, all right, so going back to John, I begin to think about this. Okay, so when I read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I take a thorough look at who Jesus is, 
did Jesus ever walk up to somebody and go, you know what, you need to learn something. I'm going to put sickness on you. Is it in there? It's not in there. In fact, in fact, we could just kind of give you a thought here. In Acts 10.38, it says this. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing what? Doing what? Doing good. Somebody say good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That about wraps it up for me. Yes? The bottom line, watch this. He is a good God. Jesus obviously went about doing good. Good, right? So in the sense of when I look at that, you know what? Um, you know what? That, and, to give you a Louisiana term, that dog don't hunt. It just doesn't work for me. So, you, you know, listen, it, here, here's basically what's happened, okay? Is because there's a majority of this room. Let's be really open and honest, okay? Let's quit being fake in church. We've all prayed and believed God and, and watched people die, okay? I, I, I have buried too many friends, okay, that I loved and I prayed for, fasted and believed God, and, and they didn't get healed. At the same time, I have fasted and prayed and believed God and watched many people be healed, are you all following me? I mean, I've literally, I'll give you a story that's in my head. I, I've literally watched someone who had cancer. They went into surgery, and they just scooped the cancer out of them. Words of the doctor, because every bit of it died. I've, you know, we pray for people who have brain cancer, watch God heal them. And then we've had people that, you know what, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and we went to their funeral. You, you know, I've been telling you guys, I, I've kind of referenced them the past few weeks. Um, you know, that group that's down in Mexico, you know, 500 people risen from the dead. My buddy that worked, that worked with him, he said, he said uh, Quentin, he said, you know, we'd all get, all the missionaries would come in from the field. We'd all sit around the table and we'd all, uh, everybody would start talking about things that God was doing in their work. But people getting healed, people getting saved. He said, but you know when I learned the most is, is when they all began to talk about the people that God didn't heal. And how, he said, he's, here's these guys, these strong men that if God used them to raise the dead, weeping because somebody didn't get healed. Are, are you all following me? So, but here's what we have to believe in that moment. Is we don't let our disappointments determine our doctrine. Are you hearing me? We cannot, 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 cannot let our disappointments determine our doctrine. We've got to let the Bible determine what we believe. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, guess what He's still doing? He's still healing. And, and here's the thing. I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep believing just as if every person got it. Every person got healed. You know why? Because I have a promise in there. Are you all following me today? So, you know, so everything in, in this sense. Um, let me even go this route with you, okay? Because there's people that talk about this dispensation, that dispensation, all those things, okay? But at, at the end of the day, listen, in Acts, in Acts, basically, heaven was open and the glory came. Heaven came. Heaven came. It never, it never uh, ascended. It went back. Right? In other words, in, other words in, in the book of Acts, y'all follow me. Ba- basically, let, let, me, let me even go this route with you. If we read, if we read Isaiah 61, right, this talks about basically you have been anointed to preach good news and, and basically going to do all these things. Boom, boom, boom. Y'all know what verse I'm talking about? 
All right. Are you all okay today? Thanks for giving me freedom. I think I've got to get a bigger stand. <laughs> all right, here we go. Isaiah 61. Watch this. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to, listen to the response here, sent me to heal the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. And this says to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, says the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Watch this. If you fast forward when Jesus came, we know that he went and did what? That he walked over there and he grabbed that scroll, opened it up, went to the place of Isaiah, and he read it. And what did he say after he read it? He said, today this is fulfilled. Today. And what did he do? He went over and he sat in the chair that was meant for who? The Messiah. (laughs) Today. Guess what? It never stopped. Does the Spirit of God live inside of you? Then that's what you've been anointed to do. That's it. That's what the anointing is in you for. All right? All right. So, anyways. Thanks for letting me go down that rabbit trail. All right. So, let me even go this way, okay? Um, even in my mind this morning, thinking about this, the, the other area is tragedy. Where people, where people blame God for a lot of things. Yes? So, my mind's rolling through Katrina. We all saw 9-11. We all saw what happened in Paris the other day. Awful tragedy. And guess what? People begin to say that God's behind those things. The only problem I have with that is John 10.10. It says this, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life more abundantly. So listen, so whatever it is in our lives, listen, we, we have to go through the filter of what does the Bible say. And when the Bible says it, guess what? It is a done deal. Because the Bible says what in Psalms 119, it says that the word of God is settled. It's not moving, y'all. We're the ones that move. The Word of God settled. He said what He meant, and He meant what He said. Put a stamp on it. It's there. Y'all follow me? All right. Thanks for letting me go that way. Let me share one last verse with you here. Next week, we'll get into some other things, okay? I I guess, let me maybe say this. The biggest thing for me today, I I think that I want you to get as, as your pastor wasn't to impress you with some sermon or whatever. The bottom line is this. We need to be people that value the word, that we honor it. And we need to be people who don't just read it and hear it when we come to church. That literally that we have a daily appetite of the word of God. And I said this to you guys a few weeks ago. That was the Bible say. It says that man does not live by bread alone. Okay? So, you know, just imagine in your own mind. Once again, same thing I said a few weeks ago. If you ate physical food as much as you ate spiritual food. Right? What I say to you the other day, we'd all be a lot skinnier than we really are. But the bottom line is that, you know, we've had a set in our, in our own. And in, look, listen, as your pastor, once again, I've had a set in my own heart. I, I am reading the Bible every day. And I'm going to read this much every day. Because why? Because I want to get it in me. Okay? And it's not from works. But it's simply put, I want to know God. And I want all those effects that happen from the, or through the Word of God, I want them to happen in my life. Okay? Yes? All right. Let me show you one verse here really fast. It says this in Job twenty two twenty one. It says this. It says, Now acquaint yourself with who? With him. 
Now acquaint yourself with Him and be at peace. What a powerful verse. Acquaint yourself. Let me say it this way. To acquaint yourself, if He is one with the Word, that we need to acquaint ourselves with the Word and we need to be at peace. Even to take it a step further, it says in Colossians, that Jesus made peace through the cross. So the bottom line is Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So all, take all of that and wrap it up in the Word and what the Word should mean, then I should be in a good spot. So peace doesn't come from some wishful thinking. Uh, it comes through knowing Him and it comes through having faith. And what is simply faith? Here's the, basically the most simple way I can give it to you. I told you we are going to be all over the map today. Faith is simply this. Faith is, is knowing who He is and having the confidence that He will do what He said He would do. Let me even say it to you this way. Let me say it better. It's having confidence that this, that God is who he says he is, and that he'll do what he said he would do. Okay? Now, at the end of the day, once again, uh, we can't let certain disappointments derail us. You, you know, there's a verse that's in, in Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord. I got some questions when we get there, just like you. Yes? Amen. All right. So, once again, faith is is that he is who he says he is, and that he'll do what he said he would do. So our faith is really rooted in what? It's rooted in the Bible. Yes, it's rooted in the Word. It's rooted in who he is. And so once again, just kind of bring this home. Uh, Romans ten seventeen says this, that faith comes by hearing, and that hearing actually means a continual hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. Amen? Let's stand to our feet really fast. Amen. All right, can we just close our eyes really fast? Here's what I want you to ask today, okay, just from the Lord. I want you to just simply ask Him, you know what, Lord, give me, give me a hunger for Your Word like I've never had. God, give me a hunger for Your Word like I never had. Father, I want to know You. I want to know You. I want to know Your heart. I want to know Your ways. I want to know Your character. I want to know Your will. Even this, God, that when I read your when I read your word, Lord, I want to read it in faith. I want to believe it. I don't want to believe that, well, that, that's good for them back then. Lord, I want to read it. That's for me now. Now. It's still it's still living. Now. Father, even help us to not only make your word priority, but begin to make room even in our own schedules for your word. And, Lord, we're not asking necessarily for some kind of quantity. Lord, we're asking for quality moments in your word. Bottom line is, Father, we know you speak. And we know the number one way you speak is through your word. And so, Lord, we want to put ourselves in a position to hear you. So, Lord, will you even help us, I guess, to, to find the right time when we're at our best to be able to read the word and not only just to read it, but to have it lodge in our hearts to be able to remember it to be able to apply it. Because, Lord, we want to be a people that's not just hearers only, but people that are doers of the Word. God, help us to do it. God, even as it says there in, in Peter, God, help us not to be ineffective in our knowledge of You. God, help us to apply what we know, Father, from Your Word in our lives. Also, from Your own words today, just begin to tell Him, God, do this in me with Your Word. God, I want relationship with Your Word. If you can't just close your eyes, block out everybody and just pray. What's your moment? So, Father, we just pray today, God, and we ask you in the name of Jesus, uh, 
Lord, that once again, Lord, and I don't mean to just be a broken record, but God, that we would value, that we would value, that we would value your word. Father, help us to, to even understand what Jesus said. Those who obey my word, those who abide in my word, those who keep my word, God, those are my disciples. Father, as we have set our own heart to be on the journey to create a culture in our own lives where we uh, live as a disciple, one who follows both the teaching and the teacher. Father, help us to not separate your word and you. Father, help us to uh, understand that they are equal and to begin to walk and live that out. Father, thank you for just prioritizing uh, in our hearts your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated.